0: Agency heads, look out. More aggressive congressional investigations are coming your way. Republican leaders on the House Oversight and Accountability Committee have already promised the committee's last name, accountability. As members organize their plans to zero in on the Biden administration, career federal employees should sit up straight. We get more now from Federal News Network's Drew Friedman.
1: The tone shift for the House Oversight and Accountability Committee stretches beyond just a name change. Kentucky Republican James Comer, the committee's new chairman, has promised much deeper and more robust investigations into the Biden administration. It's something he has said did not happen under Democratic committee leadership.
2: We're two years behind in oversight, so we're going to have to go back two years to try to get caught up uh, in addition to providing the current oversight and and future oversight. I'm fed up with the public corruption. I'm fed up with the excessive spending, and I want to do something about it. That's my goal. That's what I hope to do with the House Oversight Committee. And I think that uh, we can play a, a huge role in investigating this administration.
1: Now led by Republicans, the committee's decision to swap out the word reform for accountability indicates a larger shift in the priorities for the 118th Congress. Administration officials will soon see a much more robust investigation agenda. That's according to Andy Wright. He worked as staff director and counsel for the Oversight Committee's National Security and Foreign Affairs Subcommittee from 2007 to 2011. He's a current partner at K&L Gates. Here's Wright.
0: It's been changed to oversight and accountability with the new Republicans taking charge, which suggests a more adversarial posture. It's going to be less about finding legislative solutions to a particular issue and more about bringing accountability to people who have potentially done something uh, that Congress thinks is wrong. So I think it it is a more aggressive word. It is largely cosmetic, but it betrays a deeper change in the posture between the executive branch and the new
1: Congress. Some of the committee priorities so far have centered on oversight of COVID-19 pandemic spending, and they've pushed forward attempts to return federal employees to the office. They've also laid out plans to conduct multiple investigations of the Biden administration. This oversight shift could impact agency leaders with now higher political tensions that come from a partisan divide between Congress and the White House. Chris Keevan is an attorney at Shaw, Bransford & Roth.
0: Your average career civil servant, they're not used to being in the political arena. You know, they're not political creatures. You know, when all of a sudden you get put into that new world of, of politics It's very different, and, you know, it's a very different game and a very different process, and I think that really catches people off guard.
1: So what should agency leaders expect to change? Mike Hettinger worked on the staff of the House Oversight and Reform Committee from 2003 to 2007. Here's Hettinger.
3: I think Republicans conduct oversight differently. And and, um, in most cases, that's more aggressive. If you're sitting there in the, you know, in the administration now in a place where maybe you haven't had a ton of robust oversight, you know, coming from a Democratic Congress, you should expect a lot more, right? I mean, I think we've seen that historically. We've seen that initially here over the first couple of weeks. Agency personnel need to be ready for that.
1: Beyond a more robust oversight agenda on the books, agency leaders should be prepared for pretty much anything. Here's Hettinger again.
3: You get a lot of members that that will come in and have something they want to talk about, which may or may not be, you know, part of necessarily what the hearing charter was focused on. So, you know, be prepared for any sort of question, on topic, off topic. Um, Be prepared for those questions to come, you know, rapid fire and aggressively designed, I think, probably in a lot of ways to push people back on their heels a little bit, which is different, obviously, than softer oversight that you may have gotten from a Democratic Congress.
1: Practicing ahead of time can help agency leaders get ready for hearings. Julie Dunn has seen both the agency and the congressional sides of the conversation. She was staff director and senior counsel for the Oversight Committee's Government Operations Subcommittee from 2017 to 2019. She's also former commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service at the General Services Administration. She had some pretty clear advice for agency leaders. Here's done. Prepare, prepare, prepare. I think people that had more trouble, they just didn't
4: have the right preparation, I think. When I was in an agency and then, you know, we had our principals who were getting ready for hearings, we'd pretend to be members of the committee asking questions and have people go through the process because it really is a, a unique process. When you're, you know, sitting there at the table and and having to answer questions, and you know, the stakes are high. There's a federal statute that says you can't lie to Congress, so you want to get it right. Often when I was formulating questions for agencies, You know, I'd look back at IG reports or I'd look back at former GAO recommendations and see if there was some sort of pattern or or something that would help inform the conversation.
1: It can sometimes take months of preparation for a committee hearing. Congressional staff will typically meet with witnesses and agency officials ahead of time. Being proactive in that relationship can give feds a bit of an edge. Creating good communications with staff, especially early on in the process, is crucial. Here's done again. I think it's just important, regardless of party, to establish
4: communications at the staff level pretty early on. You know, even if there might be some bad news to deliver, I had an old boss that said bad news never gets better with time. So it's good to kind of have frank conversations. Be sure you have a a working knowledge of of the facts in play and understand as a principal what's been going on at the staff level, both congressional staff and your staff, to make sure you understand the tenor of those communications and you understand maybe, you know, what requests are outstanding and you have a good
1: answer as to why those requests are outstanding. Some said addressing the problems earlier before getting to the hearing can help agency officials present their best case to Congress. And it can be beneficial to try to pinpoint congressional allies. Here's partner at K&L Gates, Andy Wright, again.
0: Sometimes if you have a problem in an agency, you want to get ahead of it by making sure that you've corrected the problem so that by the time you're Testifying, you have a lot of things to point to that were corrections. Sometimes you want to activate allies because Congress has 535 members, and, you know, there may be some who are more in favor, not just on a partisan basis, but maybe on a geographic basis. Maybe they, you know, your agency has an important facility in their district, and they might not have the same incentives to attack a certain policy choice. So you want to do that kind of traditional government relations type of work to try and find allies.
1: Though it may become more aggressive, congressional oversight is in theory designed to create a better federal government. From the agency's perspective, it's really about putting your best case forward. Here's Hettinger again.
3: If you have a witness that is sort of intimately involved in whatever issue it is and understands it and can you know, effectively answer the questions, I think those are the best witnesses, particularly when you have a situation that you know might get testy over time, right? They need to be prepared, right? They need to know stuff. They need to be as transparent as they possibly can. They need to avoid saying things that will tick off the committee members and and things like that. Some of that's bound to happen, but like anything else in life, you can prepare yourself as best you can and hope for the best.
1: Drew Friedman, Federal News Network.
0: Check out Drew's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
2: Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins
0: host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the
2: Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash
0: get dash involved.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest Lessons that you've learned working with that community. Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane. It's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I, uh, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from from the NFL. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit. You know, they they basically were in direct care, and and I will say, and on I obviously will say about my my family, my mother, and my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we we can't do enough to salute them. I I Tim Triver, my boss the chairman uh says all the time and I couldn't agree with him more uh, we get more than we give uh working with special olympics it, you know we and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do but but we're the lucky ones we, those of us that work here are the lucky ones cuz I